this is one of the reasons why tonight we are talking about angels is because angels are a biblical reality. And the reality is this. Most believers neglect the reality of angels. Most believers are ignorant to the fact that there are angels all around us. In fact, the Bible references, if you're taking notes, start writing quick tonight. You might have to go back and watch it because I got way too much information for the amount of time I'm going to go. And guys, I just want to say, I'm not giving you part three or part one. I'm giving you it all right here. Master training on angels, master class. And so if you want to say you can stay, praise the Lord. I believe people are hungry tonight, but over 250 times the Bible references angels and it blows my mind how most Christians and most people do not talk about angels. I ask people, have you ever heard a message on angels and people writing in the chat? I've never heard anyone preach on angels yet over 250 times. The Bible mentions the existence and the power that angels have. Yet believers are not talking about it. Most churches are not talking about it. And the reality is most people have no really understanding on who angels are or on what they are. Now, obviously I'm not going to give you every instance, but I'm going to give you a bunch of verses and revelation on angels and why it is so important that we know about them. This might be the most important informative video that I ever have done or I will ever do. So don't stress out on all the information. You can always go back and watch the replay because I believe right now is a time of training in the supernatural. As we say over and over that when you are born again, you are not born into the natural realm. You are born into the supernatural realm. That is why Paul says that our eyes should be fixed on the realm that can't be seen with your physical eyes because Paul was preaching and talking about spiritual eyes. And so if you are a believer, if you've been called by God, you are not called to the natural realm. You're not called to live like everybody else lives. The world is blind, the Bible says, and they are blind that there is a supernatural world all around us. Yet the believer have eyes to be able to see in the supernatural realm. The believer is called to engage in the supernatural realm. In fact, I'm telling you, Jesus is in the spiritual realm. Jesus is not walking the earth in the natural realm. The Holy Spirit is not walking around in the natural. You've never seen him in the natural because he is a spirit and he dwells in the spiritual realm. Jesus said, when you pray, go in secret and your father will find you and be there in the secret place. God dwells in the secret place. The secret place not being your bedroom or your closet, but being a supernatural place that you can go to and you can pray pray to God. I believe that if we pulled back the veil that separates the natural from the supernatural, you would see angels everywhere. You'd see angels at the grocery store. You'd see angels at your workplace. You'd see angels on your college campus. In fact, I would go as far to say you'd probably faint if you saw the angels and the demons all around in the unseen realm. Right now in your house, there are angels. There are, there are warfare going on right above your house. There are angels and demons fighting in the unseen realm. And just just because you don't see them does not remove the reality of it. The reason why believers and pastors and leaders are not preaching on angels is because they're living their life in the natural and angels cannot be seen in the natural primarily. Now, later we're going to talk about angels and the ability they have to move in and out of the spirit realm. But right now I'm telling you, it's time to take our eyes off the natural. I remember, and I'm just going to give you my experience before I give you a too many verses for you to write down. I remember first getting saved and felt the Holy Spirit. And I remember going to my college campus. I I was an atheist one day. The next day, I'm a revivalist. I'm on my college campus, and I'll never forget seeing angels and demons all over my college campus. I was seeing angels and demons fighting over people's heads, almost like a mini picture over people's heads of angels fighting demons, and God was beginning to show me that we are in a supernatural battle. By the way, I wore my army of God, my Spartan with angel wings. I'm wearing that tonight. Shout out. Come on, somebody. Revival Lifestyle merch. Okay. And I was seeing a supernatural battle over my college campus. And 
and I started to realize that there are demons and angels all over the place and that the angels of God are God's messengers. They're God's enforcers. They're God's ministers and they are heavily used in scripture. We're not preaching out of experience in scripture to carrying out the plans and the strategies of God. The Bible says in first John, for this reason, the son of man appeared to destroy the works of the enemy. The enemy works by using demonic fallen angels to fulfill his plan. And in the same way, God uses angelic beings, God's angels or God's spirits, the Bible says, to begin to carry out his plan. So let me just say this. I know for three, four months, we've been teaching a lot on demons and the demonic realm, but let me just tell you, the devil is not the only person that's carrying out plans. God is using angels to carry out his plans just the way the enemy is using his fallen angels to carry out his plans. And I'm telling you, your entire Christian life will begin to change when you are aware of angels and the role they play in your life. Paul tells us, remember, to set our eyes on the unseen because the unseen will be eternal and not pass away. Let me just give you a reality check. Some of you don't understand that the natural realm is going to pass away. One day this body is going to pass away. One day this microphone, this desk, this camera is going to cease to exist, but the angels and the demons in the spirit realm are never going to pass away. So this is something that's eternal. We're not talking natural tonight. We're not talking about some self-help book or touched by an angel show on Lifetime. We are talking about eternal beings that God uses to fulfill and establish his plans. Many times we only focus on demons, but we never focus on angels. Demons being devil's spirits and angels being God's spirits. They're at war against each other. Angels are assigned to help you fight the battle against the kingdom of darkness. Understand that one of their primary roles is to help you to fight against the enemy. And I don't know about you, but I need all the help I can get. And you need all the help that you can get. I need the help from angels. This is why we need to talk about this and go on about this and spend some hours preaching this is because every one of us, there's 750 watching live right now. And every single one of you need angels to help you to effectively fight spiritual warfare. I don't know about you, but I need more help. I don't need less help. And so by learning about them, it's like when you learn about the gifts, God's able to entrust you with them. You guys know that I had a revelation years ago where the Holy Spirit told me that the angels are bored in heaven because the believers are not calling upon them. And so the angels are waiting to carry out and to fulfill our prayers. And we're going to get into this. So we need to understand that we're going against Satan and his kingdom and the angels are helping us go against Satan. Now, the primary function of angels in our lives is found in Hebrews 1.14. It says, are they not all ministering spirits? That could also be translated, are they not God's ministering spirits that were sent out to minister to those who will inherit salvation? Isaiah, can we just ignore angels? Can we just not talk about them? Can we just talk about all the natural things in the Bible? If you do, you're not only ignoring tons of scripture, but you remove the opportunity for angels to minister to you. Yes, angels are ministering ministers. Angels minister to us. I'm going to show you that later on in the broadcast, but understand that Hebrews 1.14 says that these are ministering spirits that are sent by God to serve the heirs of salvation. Now, some of you want me to minister to you. You fly across the country and I am glad you do. And you come to our meetings and you say, man of God, will you lay hands on me? Will you prophesy? Will you pray over me? In fact, right now, if I posted, Hey, I'm praying for people call in, there'd probably be a hundred of you calling saying Isaiah minister to me, but understand I'm talking about angels 
angels ministering to you? How would you like not just Isaiah Saldivar to minister to you, which tonight I am ministering to you, but how would you like angels to minister? When I'm talking about angels helping you, I'm not talking about them helping you around the house making you angel food cake, okay? We're not talking about them helping you in the natural realm. We're talking about angels helping you and ministering to you in the spiritual realm. Remember in 2 Kings 6 when King Aram sent a strong force, the Bible says, of chariots and soldiers to capture Elisha and his servants. The Bible says they wake up and the entire city is surrounded by chariots and soldiers and they're literally coming to kill Elisha. And so Elisha wakes up and he's calmly eating breakfast and this is my interpretation of what happens because the Bible just says it was the morning time and Elisha's servant comes to him and he's panicking. He says, Elisha, have you seen what's going on outside? How are you eating frosted flakes in a time like this? There are, there are soldiers all around us ready to kill us and ready to capture us. So what should we do? And the, the servant is panicking because Elisha is not panicking. See, this is what happens when you understand that angels are fighting for you. You don't have to panic all the time. And so he's going, Elisha, what is wrong with you? Why are you not freaking out? Why are you not panicking? Because he didn't understand that there's something in the spirit that he wasn't able to see. And if he was able to see what was going on in the spirit, he wouldn't be so panicked about what was going on in the natural. Elisha says, don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Elisha's servant is scratching his head saying, Elisha, you must have had some nightmares because what are you talking about? There's only two of us and there's thousands of chariots. There's a strong force, the Bible says. But Elisha realizes that in the spirit, there's more for us than against us. And I came to tell somebody, no matter what situation you're going through today, there are more on our side there than there are on the enemy side. Why are you starting the message with this, Isaiah? Because you need to know that the enemy is far outnumbered and there's more for us than against us. There are more angels than are there are demons and the army that we're serving. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost all over tonight is stronger than the army of the enemy. Friend, I came to tell somebody that God is on our side. God's angels, come on, share this, are fighting on our behalf. God has strategies against the plans of the enemy and he's using our angels in your battle. Elisha realizing he's still not getting it says, Lord, open up his eyes so that he may see. The servant was not blind. We know that because he saw the physical army, but he was spiritually blind. And the Bible says that the Lord opened up his spiritual eyes. Understand that we all have spiritual eyes. They're just not all opened yet. God, Elisha didn't pray, God, give him eyes. He said, Lord, open up his eyes. He has eyes. They're just not open. And the Bible says when he opened up his eyes, he saw chariots of fire and angels all around. Some of you feel alone right now in the midst of your battle. Let me just stop and preach this, but you need to understand that all around you fighting are angels, that the enemy might have you like Elisha surrounded, but understand that the enemy surrounds us and the angels surround him. There are angels right now making war for you. There are angels fighting on your behalf. I'm going to convince you of this according to scripture. There are angels right now making war in the spiritual realm. These are spirits all around us that are some good angels, some evil angels or fallen angels, but know that they 
inhabit the air and they move through the air. Some angels want to hurt us. Those are fallen angels. We've talked a lot about those in the last four months. And some angels want to help us. It's amazing because the world is enthralled with this idea of aliens. They are enthralled with this idea that there are supernatural beings that have higher power than humans. The world is enthralled. Some of the best-selling movies ever are about are about aliens. They're about these powerful beings that are up there that are more powerful than humans. But understand tonight, we are not preaching on angels because there are powerful beings above us, but they're not aliens. Tonight, we're not preaching on aliens. We're preaching on angels because the angels are all around fighting. Now, I want to give you a couple really important points, and then I'm going to give you six main mysteries about angels. We're going to decode these mysteries. We're going to talk about these. We're going to break them down. But here's one thing that I need to share with you before we really go into this. And that's God is now, this is going to kind of like mess with you a little bit because you weren't taught this in church. Hold on. Let me share this. Let me just show you guys how easy it to share. Boom. I just shared the stream that easy. Many of us weren't taught this, but God is not directly fighting the devil. Okay. I want you to know that God is not directly fighting the kingdom of darkness or fighting the enemy. God already beat the enemy. Jesus already overcame the enemy on the cross. So who's fighting the kingdom of darkness? Who's fighting the enemy? Angels and believers are fighting the enemy, not God. God is not fighting the enemy. Revelation 12, let me show you this says, then a war broke out in heaven and Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought back against Michael and his angels, but he was not strong enough. Oh, come on, Holy Ghost. And they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon or the devil was hurled down that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the entire world astray. He was hurled to the earth or thrown violently to the earth and his angels went with him. So here we have in Revelation 12, a cosmic battle where the devil lost his position in heaven and the devil and his angels went to war against Michael and his angels. Does it say in Revelation 12 that Jesus and the angels fought the dragon? No, it doesn't say that because Jesus and the devil are in a different weight class. Write that down. It doesn't say Jesus fought the devil. It says Michael and his angels fought the devil. The angels understand Jesus and the devil are in two different classes and they're not even on the same playing field. They are different weight classes. You cannot compare Jesus and the devil. And I'm going to tell you why later, but specifically... Jesus was uncreated. Jesus is God and angels are a created being. Angels are not God. They are a created being. So you need to not compare and think, oh, Jesus is fighting uh, angels. It wasn't Jesus. It was Michael. And so we as believers are enlisted, as my shirt says, in the army of God and angels are, are helping us fight this battle that we're battling every single day. And so Michael, who's an archangel, took lead, took the lead role in fighting the dragon. The dragon in Revelation 12 is the devil himself. Himself, Lucifer, who used to be an archangel. That's why the Bible says he wanted to lead all the other angels. One of the things he said is, I want to go above the stars. Now, this is popular belief, and this is what I believe, and I'm going to tell you my belief. I'm not going to give you a verse for this. I believe that there are three archangels, or there was. I believe Lucifer was an archangel, Michael was an archangel, and I believe Gabriel was an archangel, although the Bible only tells us Michael is an archangel. It doesn't say Gabriel's an archangel, even though popular belief is. It only tells us Michael's an archangel, and I believe that all those three angels had charge, which archangel means 
a chief of over angels, but I believe they all had charge of one third of the angels. So I believe that under Michael's command was one third, under Gabriel's command was one third, and under Lucifer was one third. And that is why Lucifer, when he was trying to ascend above the stars, the Bible says, the stars being the angels, Lucifer, before he got cast out, Isaiah says, wanted to exert himself above all the angels. He was not happy with only having one third of the angels. And this is what the enemy does in our life is he wants total control. The devil is not okay. And I've already done a teaching on exposing Satan's kingdom. The devil is not okay with only having one third of your life. The devil wants all of your life. And so the enemy gets cast down. One third of the angels go with him. And this is very popular belief. So you have to know there's not just bad, good angels, but there's also bad angels tonight. We're focusing more on the good angels, but we will also touch on some principalities and some demonic high ranking angels. Okay. So if you have your pens, get them out because I'm going to talk to you about six, six mysteries about angels and mysteries basically means something that's seemingly difficult to understand. And so we're going to take these mysteries that might be hard to understand and we're going to break them down and we're going to explain them. So six mysteries, number one, and this to me is the most important. These are not in the order of most importance. We're just going to cover the angels and where we find them important in scripture. I could probably do 10 hours on this, so we're not going to, we're going to break it down of what's relevant to us, what we could comprehend and and then we're going we're gonna to keep going for it here. So number one of the mysteries, the first mystery is that angels must not be worshiped or prayed to. Let me say that louder for some of you in the back, because this is so important. As we teach this, we're going to be going probably for over an hour. I'm just going to go, just going to tell you here. So go ahead and just order your DoorDash, order your Chipotle, order your Domino's, because you're not going to have time to make dinner tonight. But I want you to know that we never, angels must never be worshiped or prayed to. And some of you hear me say that, and you are great Christians. There's 820 of you. You say, man, we're great Christians. Isaiah, we would never worship an angel and we would never pray to an angel. But I want to tell you that John did. You might think you didn't, but John, the one who walked with Jesus, found himself worshiping an angel. You have to understand the angels are so holy, so glorious, and so real that sometimes when angels appear to us, it's instinct to try and to worship them. But you need to make sure you don't worship angels when they appear in their glory and power. The human nature is to want to worship them. And don't think you wouldn't do this because some of you would. John did this in Revelation 19 verse 10. He said, and I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, who is he? The angel. See that you do not do that. An exclamation point. He goes, John, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Probably because he thought I might get in trouble if John worships me. But he said, don't do that. I am, I am your fellow servant and your brethren who have the testimony testimony of Jesus. And then he says with exclamation, worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So what does the angel tell John? He goes, John, don't do that. I'm just a fellow servant. So ministers are fellow servants. The way that we serve God, angels serve God. So these ministering spirits are just brethren. The Bible says, I'm just one of your brethren. I'm just a fellow servant, but do not worship me, worship God. So we got to make sure that we're not worshiping angels. This is very important because many people have done this. Colossians 2.18, he says, do not let anyone, this is Paul talking to the church. He says, do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person also goes into great detail about what they have seen. They are puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. And so Paul says, do not let anyone who gets into false humility, but here's what I want you to catch. And the worship of angels disqualify you. So Paul was addressing 
a doctrine in those days of the worship of angels. There's many doctrines, even in America, that worship angels. We're going to talk about these here in a second. But understand, Paul was making it very clear in the book of Colossians 2.18 that do not get into the worship of angels. These people that do, they go into great detail about their revelations, about their knowledge. They're just these spiritual people that worship the angels. Paul is correcting this theory that it's okay to worship angels. It's not okay to worship angels. It is not okay to worship saints. People were worshiping angels thinking it was okay. And Paul says, no, don't do that. But this happens today. People claim to get a doctrine from an angel and they begin to worship angels and start false religions. Joseph Smith received a revelation from an angel and started the Mormon church. And there's many other false churches, false occult, cult-like places that have an encounter with an angel. If you ever have a guy that gets up and says, you know what, guys, I, I got an encounter with an angel. We're going to start a new movement and it violates God's word. It was a demonic angel. It was a fallen angel. It was not God's angel. If anybody tells you, and I'm trying not to go too, too fast, but I'm just going fast here because I got a lot to cover. But if anyone tells you that an angel gives you a, gave you a revelation or a vision that contradicts scripture or causes angel worship, it is false. And it's from an, a fallen or a demonic angel, because you have to know that fallen angels will oftentimes disguise themselves as angels of light. This is in 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen. Paul writing to the church of Corinth. He says, these people are false apostles. They're deceitful workers who disguise themselves as apostles of Christ. So Paul's talking about false prophets. He said, these false prophets disguise themselves as being apostles of Christ. He says, but I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised that these guys are disguising themselves and they're trying to get into our churches and preach false gospel. He says, even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no wonder, and I'm reading your Bible word for word, it is no wonder that his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. And he says, in the end, they will get the punishment their wicked deeds deserve. And so Paul says, listen, these false prophets are disguising themselves and they're coming into our churches, preaching a watered down, easy gospel, easy Jesus. Another sign of a false gospel is someone that preaches peace during a time of war. And Paul says, they're disguising themselves. They're tricking you and he goes and you got to know that the devil also comes as an angel of light and so does his ministering spirits so understand that the devil has ministering spirits come on they're called demons the devil does have fallen angels and they disguise themselves how many know the devil's not going to come to you with a heroin needle and a dark trench coat but the devil will use crafty things to get you back into addiction the devil uses kids cartoons to indoctrinate our children to create laws and principles that change, I feel the Holy Ghost, come on, share this, that change the way that we do life. And so you need to understand that de the devil disguises himself. Some of you think he's going to come in a trench coat with horns. He comes into churches with a three-piece suit and preaches a nice gospel where you can live however you want and Jesus will still love you. And so understand that angels will disguise themselves. They try to manipulate and trick people. Demons do this. False prophets do this. Ministers do this. So we need to tell Test the spirits and to make sure that they are from God. If a spirit comes to us and wants us to worship it, then it's very easy to know that's a demonic spirit, okay? That's not an angel trying to say, oh, I'm going to have a message from you and just bow down. And by the way, if you think this is all outlandish, many people have these experiences where angels come to them and try to get them to worship them. Fallen angels want your worship. The devil is still looking for people to worship him. Go read about when he tempted Jesus in the garden. So we need to test the spirits. 
Galatians 1.8, Paul says, but even if an angel, even if we or an angel from heaven preaches another gospel than the one that we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. And some of you are like, well, curses aren't in the New Testament. Galatians 1.8, Paul says, let them be under God's curse if they try to preach another gospel. And so Paul says, if you're in a meeting and an angel comes out of heaven and tries to begin to preach and tries to begin to give you revelations and he starts preaching a different gospel than the gospel that we preach to you, the gospel of Jesus Christ that preaches self-denial and laying down everything. He said, let that angel, even if it came from heaven, he said, let a curse fall upon that angel. Now we know angels have free will because they had free will to rebel against God. And there's many other places it talks about free will, but understand Paul is saying, even if it is an angel, let a curse fall upon it. Now I want I want you to write this down. Angels do not obey you. They obey God. Okay. I need to tell you this because some of you think that they're just going to be your slaves and you can start bossing them around and trying to get them from to work for you. But understand they are not your employees. Angels are God's employees. Angels are God's staff. And so these are God's angels, God's spirits, not yours. And so I want to be careful as we preach on angels that you don't think you're going to start bossing them around. Like, oh, go ahead and tie my shoe or go get this or go with this for me. Angels are not to be bossed around. God is only the one that can command the angels. We have the right to pray to the Father, and I'm going to tell you how to pray for angels later. Not pray to angels, but pray for angels' help. But the way we do this is by going to the Father, and the Father is able to dispatch them. So number one is that we do not worship or pray to angels. Angels must not be prayed to, or they must not be worshiped. Now I want to talk about number two here. The second mystery, and we're going to go quick on this, guys. And if you want to debate and argue, go open up your Bible and debate and argue with the Bible because I'm just going to give you verses, my thoughts, and we're going to move on. Number two. So number one was angels must not be prayed to or worship. Number two is that angels have ranks and they have order. And so I, you guys remember the teaching I did on exposing Satan's kingdom, and I talked about the satanic ranks and the satanic order. Okay, in the same way, and I also told you in that teaching that the devil stole the organizational strategy from God. Remember, the devil has zero creative power. Power. He could only manipulate, he could only pervert, and he could only steal. And so the organizational pattern that Ephesians 6 talks about, the powers, principalities, rulers, uh, spiritual hosts of wickedness, the rankings of demons, God also has a ranking of his angels because the only reason the devil even has hierarchy or structure is because he stole it from God when he got cast out, which I already told you about in Revelation 12, got cast out from heaven. So we're going to talk about the ranks and the orders. We're not going to go exactly in the order of how their hierarchy is, but we're going to do our best to, to talk about these ranks. And I'm going to give you the highest rank here, and then you can do what you want with it. But understand that not all angels are the same level. Not all angels are the same degree. Not all angels are the same rank and the same order. They're classified according to rank. First Peter 3.22 says, Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. So there we have angels, authorities, and powers. Those are three different rankings of angelic beings. Those are three different rankings. These are not demon angels. These are 1 Peter 3.22. These are Jesus Christ has these under him. He's at God's right hand, and these powers are in submission to him. Angels, authorities, and powers. Those are three different rankings. So these are all about ranks, okay? We're not going to go into those specifically, but I'm going to give you what the number one or the, I believe, the head angel is. This is a, this is a serious mystery. 
Guys have written articles. Guys have spent their life studying this, but I'm going to show you this and you, you're going to be shocked here because you've seen this over and over and over and you probably didn't understand it, but I'm telling you, this is what God has been showing me. And I believe that this is exactly what I'm going to share with you is what God is saying to the church right now. But the number one ranking or the highest ranking angel that I could find in my studying of scripture, of my Bible degree, of my reading and reading and reading for 10 years, I've been diligently studying the scripture, reading the Bible over and over and over again. The number one or the highest rank angel is the angel of the Lord. You're going to see the angel of the Lord. Type one if you've heard about this before. You're going to see this many times in the Bible. This angel is different than all the other angels, and this angel is found throughout the Bible countless times. I don't have time to give you every instant, but over and over, you're going to see the angel of the Lord appear, 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 appear all throughout the Old Testament. Now, many people believe, and I'm going to tell you what I believe, okay? Once again, this is not explicitly in scripture, but I'm going to give you a bunch of verses that could back up what I'm about to say. Many people believe that the angel of the Lord was Jesus in the New Testament, right one or right two, if you've heard this before. Many believe that the angel of the Lord was Jesus or God, which Jesus and God are both the same, so we could use these terms synonymously, but that this was Jesus in the Old Testament that appeared over and over and over again. This is a very distinct angel. This is the highest ranking angel. Now, I'm going to tell you why most people believe that. I'm going to tell you why I believe that, because we know that only God can forgive sins. God is the only one that has the ability to blot out transgressions and to forgive sins. And in Exodus 23, it shows that this angel of the Lord has given us, has, has the power to pardon transgressions. Okay. So no other angel, but the angel of the Lord has power, Exodus 23, to pardon transgressions. So that's one reason why I believe that this is Jesus in the old Testament, Exodus 23 says that the angel of the Lord has the name of God inside of him. Think about this. Exodus 23, the angel of the Lord has the name of God in him. Another reason why I believe it's Jesus. I'm not saying you have to believe that. I'm telling you what I believe. I'm going to give you verses to back up why I believe it. Isaiah 63 says in all their affliction, he was afflicted. Speaking of the angel of the Lord and the angel of his presence saved them in his love and in his pity, he redeemed them and he lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. So Isaiah 63, it talks about the angel of the Lord being afflicted and the angel of his presence saving and redeeming them. Another reason why I believe the angel of the Lord is Jesus. Many times the angel in the Old Testament was identified with God. And so you'd see them say, I saw God. For instance, Jacob, what did Jacob wrestle? Jacob wrestled the angel of the Lord and Jacob said, I've wrestled God. In fact, Jacob took it farther and Jacob said, I've seen God face to face and lived. It didn't say it was God. It said it was the angel of the Lord. Another reason why I believe the angel of the Lord is God. Okay. So Jacob said, I've wrestled God. The Bible says the angel of the Lord appeared and wrestled Jacob all night long. And Jacob stops and says, I've seen God face to face for I've wrestled God. There's the angel of the Lord again. A lot of you are saying, yes, I believe the same thing. So we know that the angel was also all knowing. Okay. So the angel, which angels are not all knowing by the way, but the angel of the Lord, according to Genesis 16 is an all knowing angel. Another reason why I believe it's Jesus. Genesis 1825, the angel of the Lord is called the judge of all the earth. And we know that this title only belongs to God. Also, we know that only God, now I'm going to give you the most overwhelming point of this. Okay. We all know that God can only receive worship. And we just talked about that. You should not worship. Yeah. It could be the Holy spirit, Jesus or God. They're all three in one. So it could be any of those scenarios. 
anonymously, but we all know, right? Come on, raise your hand if you know that you're not supposed to worship or pray to angels. We already covered this for the last 30 minutes. So we know that you're not supposed to worship average angels. You're not supposed to pray to average angels. Yet this is another reason why I know that this was God himself, the angel of the Lord, is because Joshua and Moses worshiped, the Bible says, the angel of the Lord, and they didn't get rebuked for doing so. Why was Joshua and, and, and why was Joshua and Moses able to worship the angel of the Lord? It was because it was God himself. So with all of this, I believe God is taking on in these verses angelic form and appearing to men. Now, I'm not saying that God became an angel like a created being. What I'm saying is, and this is what most scholars believe, that God took on angel form. The meaning of angel has many meanings, but one of them I want to cover of the meaning of the word angel is to be a heavenly being. So it basically just means that it's a, a being that came from heaven. And so when we see angel of the Lord, this is described as a heavenly being. So don't think of it as like, oh, the angel of the Lord was just an average angel and you're trying to say Jesus is an, an angel that's not what I'm saying I'm saying it was a heavenly being because that's all angel means in that context and God took on angelic form remember I'm gonna give you one more okay for some of you that are still not convinced let me give you one more for the sake of time remember when the angel of the Lord appeared in armor to Joshua Joshua bowed down to worship the angel of the Lord the angel of the Lord the Bible says came in armor and Joshua began to try to worship him and he never told Joshua get up don't worship me. Why did he not tell Joshua to get up and not worship him like the angel in Revelation? Because, because it was implying that the angel of the Lord was God and God accepted Joshua's worship because this was the Lord in angel form. Are you guys getting this? I don't know how much clearer I can make this. I've given you every verse. I don't know how much better I can make this. The angel of the Lord is the highest ranking angel and I believe it is God. This is many scholars believe this. If you take every verse I just gave you, it's almost impossible to not believe this. And the only time we see the worship of angels is when it was the angel of the Lord. Okay. The next ranking, this is not number three, by the way, we're still on number two ranks and order, but the next ranking below that is the archangel. Now, Michael is an archangel, arch meaning a chief over other angels. So that's just a, a chief. Okay. Jude nine talks about Michael, the archangel first Thessalonians four sixteen talks about him being an archangel. He's a, he was a, really assigned to be a guardian angel over Israel to watch the Israelites. And I believe Mark, Michael, the archangel still watches over the church today. Now we know that God chose the Jews, but the Jews failed and God had to send his only son to build a church that was not just Jews, but also Gentiles. That's the New Testament church. And I believe that the same way that Michael watched over the children of Israel, I believe Michael watches over the New Testament church to help God's people. Now, many people believe that Gabriel was also an archangel, but let me just make this statement. I believe, I believe Gabriel was an archangel, or I'm sorry, is an archangel, but the Bible does not say that Gabriel is an archangel. Let me just make that very clear. There is no scripture in the Bible due to, I know this is the opposite of what you've been talking there's no verse in the Bible that says Gabriel was an archangel, yet there's only three angels listed by name in the Bible. Number one was Michael, number two was Gabriel, and number three was Lucifer. Those are the only three angels that are mentioned in the Bible. Now, we know Lucifer. We don't need to talk about him because he's a loser. We already talked about him. Gabriel is the other angel mentioned by name. Another reason why I believe he's an archangel, but it doesn't say that in scripture, but he was a messenger angel. When God wanted to get an important message across, he would send Gabriel. 
Gabriel to deliver the message. When God wanted it set for a battle to be won, he would send Michael. So Michael was the battle angel or the military angel. And Gabriel, I shouldn't say was, is. Michael is in charge of the military and Gabriel is in charge of communications, okay? Is that an easy way to understand it? Gabriel is in charge of communications. Gabriel is the one who came to Zechariah and said, you're going to have John. He's the one that came to Mary and said, you're going to have Jesus. You want to talk about an important message? God says, okay, I'm going to send a message down to earth. I'm going to tell Mary she's going to, to birth the son of God. Who should I send? Let's send Gabriel because Gabriel will get the job done. We can't send just average ministering spirits. We got to send Gabriel the messenger angel. And so Gabriel is in the Bible, a messenger angel. Okay. So that was number one, this angel of the Lord. Number two was the archangels. Then, then number three is principalities. This is, this is down the ranks, okay? Principalities, these are angels over nations, angels over regions. Satan assigns his fallen angels over regions, over regions and over nations. These are prince demons or prince angels. Not only is there angelic angels, I believe, over nations, but we know there are demonic angels over nations. Now, Paul talks about these fallen angels in Ephesians 6, and then Daniel 10 talks about the prince over Persia or the principality over Persia. Remember, Daniel's praying for 21 days. The angel Michael comes to Daniel, said, Daniel, the moment you begin to pray, I was dispatched. And somewhere between you and me in the second heaven, I begin to fight the prince of Persia, the power that was over the air. And all of a sudden he goes and he says, I got to go back and fight. And he says, and when I go back to fight, I'm sorry, Michael's up there fighting. He says, and when I go back, we're going to have to fight the king of Greece. And so Michael's up there fighting this cosmic battle. And he's talking about the prince over Persia or the principality over Persia. I did a whole video on these principalities, on these demons over nations but know that principalities work in nations. Now, this is very, very, uh, very important here. Principalities work in nations by affecting principles and laws. This is how they change society in whole. These angels run countries. This is how these demon angels run countries by influencing laws that create principles that change how we live our lives. This is how principalities works. They get into education and they put principles in books. So we believe certain things. They get into media to make us things think things a certain way. They get into music to change the way we think and to change how we live. And so principalities, they work in laws and principles. Principalities work in the realm of principles. They get into all these different areas. Remember, demons love to change principles. Demons love to come in our life and to change what we believe and how we see life. Now, many of you would not commit adultery, but you have no problem watching adultery, okay? That's a principality working in the media industry over a region to try to get you to change your principles. Remember, principalities change principles. So this is why adultery is so popular in movies. It's because the principality has changed the principles of marriage, okay? And by changing principles, they're able to change laws over regions. Many of you would not do witchcraft, okay? There's 800 plus of you in the chat many of you would not play the ouija board or do witchcraft yet you have no problem watching witchcraft these are demons that have normalized magic and witchcraft by putting witchcraft and magic into our kids movies and over time they change our kids they change principles they change laws they change cultures now i could go on and on about laws being changed we don't need to because you know all the laws that are already being changed just know that these are demons over regions over territories that are changing laws and making principles
You make your life's decisions based on principles. Principles are what you believe. And so everything you do is governed by your principles. So the devil knows and demons know. If demons are spirit and they're invisible, how do they change the way you live? They begin to change your mind, begin to build strongholds in your mind. And in turn, they change the way that you live your life. Ephesians 2.2, it says, in which way you used to live. I'm going to prove all this in scripture. Ephesians 2.2, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. So Paul is saying, this is the way that you used to live before you were saved. And, and you are following the ruler. You followed the ruler of the kingdom of the air. How much more explicit could Paul get? He says, there's a ruler who's the devil who has a kingdom that is in the air, in the second heaven. And he says, you follow them. So Paul's saying, you used to follow the laws and the principles of this world who were set by the rulers of the kingdom of the air. So Paul is showing us that the ruler of the air, these powers, the devil, these principalities are set setting laws and standards and ways of living, and he's wanting you to follow them. Now, many of you know this because if you look back 50 years, the laws that we have in place now were not there 50 years ago. You couldn't smoke out in public. Men couldn't marry men. Women couldn't marry women. You couldn't abort a baby in the 50s, but now it's legal to marry a man. It's legal to abort babies. It's legal to do a whole bunch of crazy stuff, and it's law now, and 50 years ago, it wasn't law because principalities are at work. This is why the church needs to put on their big boy pants and get to work. This is why we need to begin to fight to build God's principles in the earth. This is why we need to do deliverance to establish God's kingdom on the inside of people. You need to understand that the devil is at work trying to change our laws. Okay, next is the cherubim. I'm going to go through these quick, okay, because I got, I got a lot to cover. You guys are like, I hope you don't end soon. <laughs> All right, we got a lot to cover. Let's just say that. Okay, the next is cherubim. Cherubim are high-ranking angels. Every time you see a cherubim, it has to do with redemption. Genesis 3.24, and by the way, I've already given you over 20 verses, and we're barely halfway through. Genesis 3.24, after he drove the man out, the Bible says, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way of the tree of life. So cherubim are protective angels that protect the presence of God. Exodus 25.22, then above the cover between the two cherubim that are over the Ark of the Covenant of the law, I will meet you and give you my commandments of the Israelites. So here we see the cherubim over the presence of God. The cherubim are on the Ark of the Covenant, representing that cherubim are protective over, I feel the Holy Ghost, over the presence of God. Cherubim were the chosen angels that were to watch over the mercy seat. They're described, the Bible says, as having the face of a lion, the face of a man, the face of an ox, and a face of an eagle. Now, the word face means character. It doesn't mean that that's exactly what they look like. That's not what cherubim look like. It's describing the character of the cherubim. The face of the lion represents that the cherubim have great strength because lions are incredibly strong. The face of the man represents how intelligent angels are or the cherubim are because men are of high intelligence. The face of an eagle represents speed and sight. The best sight of any bird in the world is the eagle. And so understand that the cherubim are represented as the face of an eagle or the character of having good sight. Now, the question is, why do cherubim need such good eyesight? Well, it's simple. They watch the presence of God. This is what the cherubim do. 
The Bible oftentimes says that if you touch the ark of God, that you will die. If this was this now, many people believe that this is because the cherubim would kill you because they protected the ark of God. Cherubims with the flaming sword protected the garden. They protect the presence of God. And so many people will say that the, what was actually killing people when they touched the ark, like Uzzah, like A in the Old Testament, was actually not God killing them, was actually the cherubim that were protecting the ark. This is why it says they were consumed or they were burned because Genesis said they had flaming swords. Okay. It's all making sense now. I'm glad. Lastly, they had the face of an ox. I know I'm giving you guys a crazy amount of information. Praise the Lord. Stay with me. Lastly, they had a face of an ox representing servanthood. Ox is a servant animal. The cherubim are are um, committed to serving the work of God. So now we have cherubim. Next, and the last angel I want to talk about named in the Bible is seraphim. Now, these are the burning angels, okay? This is found in Isaiah 6, mentions them that they're around the throne of God, and the seraphim sing day and night, holy, 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 holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. These are angels. They're very high ranking and they declare the glory and the holiness of God around the throne forever and ever. These are the seraphim. The only place we're going to see these angels are in Isaiah chapter six. These are the burning ones. These are the ones that took the coal and touched Isaiah's tongue. So understand those are different varying ranks and those are different types of angels. Below that we have ministering spirits, ministering angels, but I wanted to cover the high ranking angels. Okay. Praise the Lord. That was uh, mystery number two. Okay, mystery number two was the ranking of angels. Okay, write this next one down. We're moving into the next segment here. Guardian angels, write this down. Number three, the third mystery I'm going to talk about about angels is guardian angels. Now, guardian angels, I'm not talking about in the terms that we think of them. I don't know if they're the same angel that you have your whole life. I don't know if they're alternating, and this is where this, some of this gets fun. I don't know if they're alternating angels, but it is 100% biblical that angels do guard the believer. Now, the Bible doesn't say, and I always give you what the Bible doesn't say before I get into it so you don't accuse me and try to say, well, this is what you meant, Mr. Preacher. Okay, the Bible doesn't say that everybody has a guardian angel that follows them everywhere. But that doesn't mean we don't all have guardian angels that follow us everywhere. The Bible just doesn't say explicitly, but I do believe Isaiah Saldivar, based on scripture, based on experience, I'm going to give you two experiences I had with a guardian angel, real life experience, not just something I read in a book, but I'm telling you, I believe we do have guardian angels that have been assigned to us. And I'm going to talk to you about this. Now there are guardian angels in the Bible and it is biblical for kids to have guardian angels. I'm going to tell you about that here in a second. So don't click off, but I'm just letting you know the principle or the idea the world has of guardian angels is not a explicit biblical term where the Bible says you all have two guardian angels each, but the Bible does talk about guardian angels. These are angels that guard and these are angels that protect. Now, some of you know exactly about guardian angels because you've encountered some of them because you would have been dead if it wasn't for guardian angels. Now, I want to do something here. Don't lie. Don't try to be hip or sound cool. If you know without a shadow of a doubt that you should be dead right now and that if it wasn't for a guardian angel that God sent to save you, you'd be dead type one right now. If you know 150% without a shadow of a doubt, if it wasn't for a guardian angel, you would be dead. And we're going to see hundreds of ones begin to fly through the chat because guardian angels are a real thing. Now I've experienced two times where I was spared. I'm going to show you two encounters I had with guardian angels where I should have been dead. Now look at there's ones flying all through the chat. Some of you got your car rolled over. You got shot at. Some of you overdosed. Some of you got should have been dead, got kidnapped. Some of you were in a ditch for five days. I know pastors that got say I know one pastor that should have been dead. A guardian angel came and literally tied it, wrapped up his leg. I'm telling you, guardian angels are real ones all throughout the chat. Okay, I had two encounters. 
Now, I believe I've had many encounters with guardian angels, but I'm only going to give you two that I know 150% because I don't want to give you the other ones because I don't know if they were guardian angels or if it really was an angel that spared me. But let me give you two 100% that did. Number one, me and my brother were in the back of a tractor. A big uh, John Deere goes about 50 miles an hour. We were in a little rickety trailer on a country road behind a tractor. Our friend was driving the tractor at about 40 miles an hour. Well, we lived on a street and we were about, a, we were about half a mile to a mile... Uh, from the corner of the street our friends driving down me and my brother are in the back of this little rickety uh wooden metal trailer this little rickety trailer that you'd you know use for yard work he turned the corner to our house the trailer flipped like this broke was still connected to the hitch of the tractor me and my brother were under the trailer this is cement street okay very sharp street and we were under it for almost a mile down the road. He didn't hear us because it was too loud. He drug our lifeless bodies for a mile on pavement, 45 miles an hour. Now I know you're doing the math. I should have been roast beef. I should have been just completely beef by the end of this, but he was going 40 miles an hour, arrived at my house, family and friends came out screaming because they realized that we are under the trailer pulled open the trailer and me and my brother, I have a little scar on my arm. We had a little bump, little bruise and one little scratch on my arm. Now, 100% I should have been dead. Now, let me tell you why I believe there was a guardian angel because that day, now this is spiritual, so I can't explain it, but I'll never forget. And I felt goosebumps and Holy Ghost all over. I'll never forget as a child, this happened to me. And I remember having an out-of-body experience, which many of you have had, if you have near death, a lot of you have out-of-body. I had an out-of-body experience and I remember feeling like, like, now this is just what I felt as a child. This happened to me while I wasn't a child. Maybe I was 10 or 11. I felt like there were two angels inside the trailer with us. I don't know how to tell you that. I just remember having an out-of-body experience, seeing my, seeing the tractor dragging down the road from above, whatever I was, dead. I don't know what I was. I was above somewhere. And I remember thinking instinctively, there were two angels that are in the trailer with us. I just remember there were angels. That's all I could say. Okay, that was number one. Should have been dead. I got goosebumps. Yeah, me too. I get goosebumps talking about number two. I did a whole video on this on YouTube where I hung myself. If you don't know, I hung myself at 12 years old, not on, well, I did it on purpose, but not because I wanted to kill myself. I had watched a movie called American Outlaws. And so I was trying to be like Jesse James. And I was with my friend in his big, huge barn. It was about a probably 30 foot high, maybe 20 foot high barn, metal barn, and it had a big chain hanging that you take motors out of cars with. I put that chain around my neck as a 12 year old. My friend was in the barn. And I said, look, I'm Jesse James. And I did this and I started swinging on the chain rope. So I'm swinging back and forth on the chain rope while my buddy was riding his bike in a circle. He left the barn and all of a sudden I woke up minutes later. I blacked out because I lost circulation in my throat. I woke up minutes later, 12 years old. Okay. I got drug on the tractor around 10. This is now 12. I woke up and I'm midair. I'm hanging probably six feet off the ground and I spun, which tightened the chain, which made me lift. And I was looking at my feet. And I'll never forget being 12 years old. I feel as if it just happened yesterday. I was looking at my feet hanging above the air and this is what I described at 12 years old I described this as this and I still describe it as this day and this is the only way I can describe it when people ask me what happened I felt and this is what I say the softest hands ever that's all I could say but I felt I felt hands go inside the rope mind you I'm up in the air hanging should be dead I felt hands go inside the chain rope this was not a, a little wooden or plastic rope this was a chain pull the chain 
I dropped to the ground. I was bleeding from my neck. That's how tight the chain was. I crawled to the corner of the barn. I turned back and I saw the chain hanging up still high up as if I was still hanging on it. And the first thought that came to me was this. There is a war going on. Something is trying to kill me. Meanwhile, something else is trying to save me. Understand that it was a guardian angel, I believe, and I felt that pulled me off of the rope. Now, I drowned other times. I fell out of a car as a child. I almost fell out of a car on a highway another time. Okay, I had guns pulled on me. I had overdosed. I got alcohol poisoning. They said I should have been dead in the hospital. Those encounters, I didn't experience a guardian angel in this sense, but I did experience a guardian angel in those two accounts. Now, I just wonder, and I have this thought as I was preparing this, I wonder how many guardian angels have spared you that you don't even know about. I wonder how many accidents you should have been in that you didn't get in because of a guardian angel. Just this last year, I was driving on the freeway in the middle of the night. It was three in the morning. I was driving to the airport. I was going 75 miles an hour and there was a car in front of me and in the middle of the road, in the middle of the freeway, he did a U-turn and turned facing towards me and started driving head on with me on the freeway. And I swerved out of the way at three o'clock in the morning. Now, who's to say that it wasn't a guardian angel that moved that car out of the way and I should have been dead? I don't know. I just know I've had many, many, many near-death experiences over and over. I could give you story after story. And these guardian angels protected me. Let me give you verses because those were experiences. Now let's give you verses. Yeah, the devil did try, but the devil did lose. And I believe those guardian angels were there because my parents had been praying for me. Psalms 91.11, Write this down for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all of your ways. These angels, the Bible says, are going to guard you in how many of your ways in all of your ways. There's guardian angels right there. God says, I'm going to send angels to guard you when you're driving. The angels will guard you when you're working. The angels will guard you when you're sleeping. The angels will guard you. My mom's right there in the chat. She said, so true. Come on. When you're out and about, these angels will guard you. These angels that God commands will guard you in all of your ways. Imagine how many things that God has guarded you from, as I said, that you don't know about. I'm telling you, God will send his angels. Psalms 34, seven, the angel of the Lord. Oh, I love this one right here. Come on, Holy Ghost. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Let me say that again. Psalms 34, seven, the angel of the Lord. We've already talked about him encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. So if you have the fear of the Lord, the Bible says the angel of the Lord encamps around you or makes a camp around you? How many of you want the angel of the Lord to make a camp right up around you and to deliver you? This is another verse that the Bible talks about the angels bring deliverance. Okay, here we go. We're going quick. This is a very, very important one. Matthew 18, 10. I'm going to show you that children have guardian angels. This is biblical. Here we go. Children have guardian angels. Matthew 18, 10. Beware that you don't look down on any of these little children. I'm reading word for word the Bible. For I tell you that in heaven, okay, in heaven, their angels are always in the presence of my heavenly father. And so here we have the Bible saying that these children, be careful when you look down on them because their angels are in the presence of his father. I believe those are children's guardian angels. I believe because of this verse, and it's, I don't have to say, I believe the Bible says that children have angels that watch over them. People do not realize that when you cause harm to children or do things against children, and I know there's a lot of children watching, so I won't use any explicit terms, but you kind of know what 
I'm trying to say here. When you do things to children, you have to understand that these angels will begin to act against you. Oftentimes, when people get into child molestation or they do sexual things to children, they start getting cancer. They start getting sick in body. They die from unknown causes. I'm telling you why pedophiles end up dying early or going through natural, uh, they call natural deaths or unnatural deaths is because they upset the child's angel and those angels came against the child. So you need to be careful when you start messing with children because you need to understand that they have angels that watch about them. Now, I remember a young girl. I encountered this before in my own personal life. I remember a young girl came to our revival and I said, what do you need prayer for? And she she began to describe to me that every night her drunk father would come to her doorway with his bell and would come in and viciously beat her. She said he would come in and beat me and I can't tell you exactly all the stuff he would do because we're on air here, but just know that her father was beating her. I was heartbroken. I was sad. And let me just be honest, as a minister, I said, Lord, what can I do? There's nothing I can do. What am I going to pray? God, just help her. I mean, there's nothing I can could pray. And I remember this was, this was about eight years ago. I remember the Lord saying Isaiah, cause I said, Lord, what do I pray for her? I don't know what to do. He said, Isaiah, pray that angels would go over her and pray that angels would protect her. I didn't know this verse that the Bible says these children have angels. And so I said this, father, I pray that you would send angels so that every time he comes in to beat her, the angels would stop him from beating her. Well, now weeks had gone by, months had gone by. She came back to the revival with a family member and she said, Isaiah, ever since you prayed for me, that angels would protect me. She said, my father comes in drunk as usual, would stand at the door. And she said this, he would stare at me in my bed. Usually would come in and beat me. He would stare at me in my bed, but instead he would just walk right out. She said, and months have gone by and my father has not laid a hand on me. Why? Because I believe that there were angels that were guarding her. Imagine these massive angels standing at the door of this little girl's room, protecting her. So do not mess with children because understand Matthew 18, 10, there are guardian angels over children. Now, let me give you more evidence. I'm giving you guys overwhelming verses and evidence here. Okay. I'm fired up. I'm an hour in. I feel like I just started. Praise the Lord. Keep praying if you want me to keep going. Acts 12. I'm going to give you another reference to it's possible that we have guardian angels. Acts 12. You guys know the story. Peter gets rescued from prison by an angel. They're going to kill Peter the next day in Acts 12. The Bible says that Peter gets rescued. The angel literally smites or smacks Peter, wakes him up. Peter ends up at the end, at the outside of the gates of the city. Peter thinks he's in a vision. When Peter realizes he's not in a vision, Peter says, man, the angel saved me from what Herod planned to do to me. So understand angels will protect you for the plan, from the plans that the enemy has against you. The devil's ultimate plan is to kill you, but God will use his angels to protect you the way that he protected Peter in Acts chapter 12. Okay, so Peter's supposed to die. Peter gets broken out of prison by an angel. I have a whole sermon on my YouTube channel called... An angel broke me out of prison. If you want to hear that message, that's a, that's a shameless plug for the YouTube channel. I preach it. I preach a 45 minute message on this story. Okay. So all of a sudden Peter's rescued. Let me just give you context. Peter ends up at the door of a house where they're praying. Okay. The believers are praying. Who do you think they're praying for? You guessed it. They're praying for Peter. So there's a house of believers praying. Peter walks up to the door and knocks on the door. Now the Bible says there was a girl named Rhoda. She was a servant girl that was in charge of opening up the door for the guests. Rhoda comes to the door and sees Peter shuts the door on Peter, runs back to them while they're in a prayer meeting. And who do you think they're praying for? You guessed it. They're praying for Peter to get delivered. And Rhoda says, guys, guys, 
You don't understand. Peter's at the door. Like the answer to your prayers is at the door. Go, go. Should I open the door? And here's the response. This is in your Bible. This is in the book of Acts. Here's what they said. They said, oh, don't worry. It must be Peter's angel. That's what they said. They said, no, it's not Peter. Don't worry, Rhoda. It must be Peter's angel. And so there we go. Somehow they knew or they thought or they saw that Peter had an angel that was there to guard him. So they implied he had a guardian angel. Now, sometimes we have to be careful that when God answers our prayers, we open the door and let the answer to our prayer in because sometimes our unbelief keeps our unanswered prayer locked outside the door. Oh, somebody needs to go ahead and steal that and preach that. But just know that the angel was guarding Peter and, and broke Peter out of prison. Okay. God also used angels to protect Daniel. We're talking about guardian angels. We're on mystery number three. If you're coming in late, we're about an hour and 20 minutes in, but we're just going to keep going here. God used angels to protect Daniel. Remember in the story of Daniel, King Darius put Daniel in command. Basically, and I'm going quick for the sake of time. I'm giving you the, the paraphrased version, but he put Daniel as his top advisor. All the other advisors got angry and jealous. And their problem with Daniel was he had no sin, no compromise, no scandals, and no skeletons in his closet. So they said, the only way we could bring Daniel down is by coming against his religion. So let's do this. We'll make the king sign a decree that for 30 days, nobody can pray to any other God, but the king. So the Bible says the king signed it, but understand back in those days in that empire, when a king signed a law, the king was considered a God. So could not overturn or go back on the law because they were deemed as gods, as deities. Okay. So the king loves Daniel, but the king just signed Daniel's death certificate. So now here's the law. No one's allowed to pray for 30 days. And this is really how America is honestly becoming. And the Bible says Daniel prayed three times a day. We know this with his window open. And Daniel decides, I'm not letting no law get me from stopping to pray to my God. Now, Daniel could have been like some of you and said, well, I'm just going to pray with my window closed. Well, I'm just going to pray in my head for 30 days. Well, I'm just going to take 30 days off. Maybe I could use a vacation and I'm just not going to pray for 30 days. No, no, no. Daniel decides that I'm going to continue to pray three times a day with my windows wide open. And I don't care what. What they try and do for me. So the king has to have Daniel thrown in the lion's den. They end up throwing him in. And the Bible says in Daniel 6, 22, let me read it for you word for word. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him. And also before you, O king, I have done no harm. So it's interesting because the Bible calls the devil as says he's as a roaring lion. And here we have the angel shutting the mouth of lions. And I'm here to tell you that God's angel Angels will shut the lie and the mouth of every demonic power and every demonic strategy against you. God will use his angels to shut the mouth of the enemy when the enemy tries to destroy you. God's angels are fighting on your behalf. Okay, let me tell you one last thing about, about um, guardian angels. Okay, here we go. Angels, write this down will not guard you if you're doing reckless things. Okay, write that down. Guardian angels will not guard you when you're doing reckless things. I'm gonna tell you how I know this because remember when Satan was tempting Jesus and Satan said, Jesus, why don't you jump off the pinnacle of the temple if you are the son of God, just jump off. And then Satan quotes Psalms 91, which is, God's angels will take charge of you and will guard you. Okay, we've already talked about it. The devil quotes the scripture of Psalms 91. If you jump off, the angels will protect you, Jesus. But understand, Jesus' response was, 
The word, word of God all says, do not test the Lord your God. So the devil was trying to use the Bible to get Jesus to do something reckless, but understand that guardian angels do not protect you when you are being reckless, okay? Don't try to go skydiving, which by the way, listen, I will not go skydiving. There's no chance of me ever jumping out of an airplane. Do not go skydiving and then pray, Lord, send your guardian angels to protect me. Listen, you're the one jumping out of a plane at however many thousand feet going 100 miles an hour plummeting to the ground and trusting a piece of cloth to try to save you okay don't ask for guardian angels if you're going skydiving don't try to be racing on the street at 100 miles an hour swerving through traffic and then asking a guardian angel to protect you it's not going to happen don't think you can do as many drugs as you want and a guardian angel is going to protect you now the angels might protect you if you do reckless things but know this it's not because of your prayers it's because of somebody else's prayers now I know the angels do protect us when we're reckless. I hung myself at 12, it was reckless. But my parents were praying and I believe the guardian angels were carrying out the prayers of my parents, okay. Let me stretch here. We're going on. This might be just the longest Friday night fire we've had. Okay, here we go. An hour and 20 minutes in. Number three, Guardian Angels is done. Mystery number four. And the last couple are going to be fast. Okay, don't stress out here. Mystery number four, angels are creatures and spirits. Write that down. Mystery number four, angels are creatures and spirits. Okay, let's first talk about the first one. Angels are, everyone's saying stretch. You're preaching truth. Let me go ahead and stretch the back, stretch the throat. Okay, angels number one. Let me, um, they're angel, number four is angels are creatures and spirits but let me break down the first thing angels are creatures this simply means that angels were created now we know that god created them before the seventh day yet nobody knows the bible doesn't say exactly when god created them many people believe that he made them on the first day i personally remember i said this we don't know in the bible but i'm gonna tell you my personal opinion i personally believe he made them on the first day before he began to fill the earth and everything like that and, and a lot of people think this because the bible says in the beginning god created genesis 1 the heavens and the earth okay so let's stop and think about this god created the heavens and the earth and then the next verse says and the earth was void and formless it doesn't say the heavens was so here we go think about this god creates the heavens and the earth and the earth was void and formless not the heavens so my theory and my belief and this is a lot of people's belief but this is my personal is that god created the heavens and the earth and then god filled the heavens with angels created beings and then god filled the earth with humans which is us okay so that's my own theory nobody really knows but just know that they were created we don't know when they were created we just know sometimes during creation they were created now it's important to know this because Jesus was not created. So this is why I said Jesus is not on the same playing field as the angels because Jesus was not a created being. Jesus was there before the beginning of time. Jesus is an uncreated per thing being God, okay? Jesus is God, angels are not God. This is why we don't pray to them, we don't worship them, they are created. So remember, these are created by God, they're immortal, angels can't die. We're gonna talk about their immortality later, but this is another reason why you should not worship them because they are creation, not creator. Anything God created, write this down, anything God created must, capital must, not be worshiped. I can't and say this enough. We don't pray or worship angels because they were created and there's anything God creates should not be worshiped. The word God literally means the self-existing one. Another one, God, in other words, God doesn't need anyone to exist. Angels need God in order to exist because angels are not gods. 
This is why God hates idol worship, because you were never meant to worship created things. Many cultures, people worship animals, but understand animals are created by God. They should not be worshiped. They should not. Now, angels also are creations of God, created by God. They're creatures, so they also should not, and this is very important. I've never heard anybody talk about this. They should not be slandered. You don't want to go slandering angels. You don't want to go calling angels stupid, even demons. When I'm dealing in deliverance, I don't call angels stupid. I don't say you stupid demon because we don't slander God's creations. Remember, angels are fallen demons and angels were create, um, demons were created originally by God and got and rebelled from heaven. Second Peter 2.10. He, this is what I'm reading your Bible word for word. He is especially hard on those who follow their own twisted sexual desire and who despise authority. These people are proud and arrogant daring even to scoff at angels without even trembling. So here's what Peter's saying. He's saying, you got to understand there are certain people that will mock angels and they're not even trembling at it. They think it's no big deal to mock angels, okay? Let me show you another verse that tells us why we shouldn't slander angels, Jude 1.8. This is what it says. In the same way, these people who claim authority from the dreams, they live immoral lives, they defy authority, and they scoff at supernatural beings or angels, both synonymous, okay? So these people scoff at angels, and this is what the Bible says in Jude 1 8 but even Michael one of the mightiest of all the angels did not dare accuse the devil of blasphemy but simply said the Lord rebukes you and then in parentheses the Bible says this took place when Michael was arguing with the devil about Moses's body so understand that we don't want to slander devils we don't want to slander angels even Michael fighting the devil did not slander him but said the Lord rebuke you so when I cast out demons I don't rebuke them in my name I rebuke them in the Lord's name but we do not slander them okay so make sure that you don't slander one translation says that michael didn't bring slanderous accusations against him um so know that we don't slander angels we don't call angels we don't call angels stupid we don't make up things okay next that's number one or the part one was creatures part two is they are spirits write this down angels are spirits the bible describes describes the angels as spirits in hebrews chapter one it says angels are god's spirits this is important because they're not limited to man's restrictions angels are not limited the way that we are limited they're able to come in and out of sight they can transform into human form so you can see them or talk to them in natural form. They don't, they don't become humans. Okay. Write that down. They don't become humans, but they have the ability to take on human form. Since you couldn't see them, hear them, smell them, or understand them because they're spirits. They have the ability, according to scripture, to become human, to relate to us, to relate to us, whether that's to help relay a message or to minister to us. Okay. And I'm very curious on how many angels I've met and didn't even know that they were an angel. I wonder how many angels you have met and you did not know that they were an angel, whether it be at the grocery store, whether it be at a restaurant, whether it be at your job, Hebrews 13, two, I'm going to show you this in scripture, Hebrews 13, two, do not forget to show hospitality to strangers for by doing so some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it now i shared in another video how i met an angel at in and out i'm 100 percent convinced i met an angel and i we basically long story short there was a homeless guy in front of in and out with all of his stuff strewn everywhere outside of in and out and he asked us to buy him a burger he was very picky about his meal he said i want it like this with no onions animal style extra pickles two fries i was very picky while well, my friend who god was working on who was dealing with patients was irritated said why would he be so picky if he's homeless and got angry i said bro maybe it's an angel god's trying to test you and i was joking 100 joking so we go into the restaurant we order his food the picky food uh, order he wanted we come out and restaurant was empty 10 minutes later 
The guy is gone. All of his stuff is gone. Everything's packed up. He's nowhere to be found. There's a freeway on one side. There's a Starbucks on the other side. And there's an open parking lot. There is no possible way. And in and out is a glass building. There's no possible way he could have packed everything up in that time and left. We begin to look outside, ask around. Everyone said, we don't know what you're talking about. We didn't see anybody. That was an angel that we showed hospitality without knowing it. When we got back to the prayer, we were having a prayer meeting. When we got back to prayer, there was a guy there that was hungry that wanted the exact meal that the angel ordered. So understand that you can show hospitality to angels and not know it. Angels are spirits and can go places that you can't go. The Bible says we have power to bind and loose. So you have power to bind demon spirits and loose angel spirits. And I want you to think about this very closely. Angels are able to go into people and to fight demons that are afflicting that person. Remember, demons dwell inside of people. Jesus did not cast demons out of people. De- Jesus casted demons. Uh, um, Jesus did not cast demons off of people. Jesus casted demons out of people. Jesus said, when a demon comes out, it's like a demon just left a house. Our spirit, we have spiritual houses, and demons dwell inside of us. Well, angels, when you're doing deliverance and you're calling upon the Father to send angels to make war against the spirits, the angels can go into the person. And into the soulish realm and begin to fight those demons. Now, Isaiah Saldivar, when he's praying for you, he can't put his hand down your throat and try to fight the demons on the inside of you, but I can loose angels because they're spirits. They're able to go in there and begin to fight the demons that are on the inside of you that are battling you. So angels are not restricted the way that we are restricted. A lot of times um, when Lot saw them, they took human form. The Bible says that the angels came to the gate and Lot bowed before them. And later on, the angels had lunch with Lot in human form. The city was so wicked. They said, let us come in and sleep with the angels. How did the city know there was angels? Because they were in human form. Lot said, don't sleep with the angels. Sleep with my daughter. So understand angels can take on human form. Psalms 104.4, who makes his angels spirits, his ministers flames of fire. So angels, angels are spirits. Write this down. Angels don't have gender because they're spirits and they don't reproduce. Although the Bible does use masculine terms for communication purposes, it does not refer to them being male nor female, just uses masculine terms for communication purposes, but spirits do not have gender. So there's no female or male angels, female or male spirits. There's no female angels in all the Bible because angels don't have spirits. Angels also don't have sexual relations, okay? Angels cannot reproduce. Thank God that demons cannot reproduce. Thank God that angels cannot reproduce. They've been created, they are spirits, and they do not have the reproductive ability. They don't marry as well. Matthew 22, 30 says at the resurrection, people will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They will be like the angels in heaven in terms of not getting married or being married. Not that we're going to be like angels, but we won't be married like the angels are not married. So understand also write this down. Angels are immortal. Angels can't die. Why? Because angels are spirits and spirits can't die. Luke says when you're raised from the dead, you will no longer be like the angel. You will no longer die. But Luke says this, you'll be like the angels in the second life. Why did he say that you'll be like the angels? Because the angels can't die. Now, let me show you this. The reason why Lucifer, we read this in the beginning in uh, Revelation 12, was kicked out of heaven. Why didn't God just do what he did to mankind? Remember, when God wanted to get rid of mankind, what did God do? God flooded the earth and killed everybody on the earth. So why did God not just kill Lucifer and the angels? Because angels are immortal. They cannot die. God does not kill spirits. They are immortal. So God says, I have to kick them out because they can't die. The devil and his angels in Revelation 20 will live forever 
Can I get an amen, somebody? In the lake of fire, because they can't die, they are spirits. They are going to be tormented in hell for all of eternity. God is going to bind them, the Bible says, with a chain that can't be broken. That's a strong chain right there. God's going to bind them and throw them in the lake of fire. Now, because we have a spirit... We will live forever like the angels living forever. The Bible says in either heaven and hell. The reason why, by the way, last week we talked about or two weeks ago, we talked about hell on Tuesday night. If you want to watch that video, it's incredible. But the reason why hell is so miserable to people is because you can't die in hell. You'll beg for death for a trillion years and you'll be alive in hell as you were the moment you got there. A trillion years goes by in hell and you're just as alive a trillion years of torture as you were the day you got there and the way you're tormented in hell is because we have spirit bodies and we already had Bill Weiss teach on that. So understand that angels are created, angels are spirits, angels also rejoice when one person gets saved. Angels party, that's in Luke 15, 10. The Bible says there's rejoicing happen when even one sinner repents. So this is incredible. Angels also write this can fly. Another reason why they can fly is because they are spirits. Revelation 14, 6 shows us angels can fly. It says, then I saw an angel flying in midair. He has the, who had the eternal gospel to proclaim to those who live on the earth, to every nation, tug, tribe, and people. So here we have an angel that John says, I saw flying midair. Okay. So angels are, what did I say? create our creatures and they are spirits. That's number four. And I'm going to post all six of these at the very end. We're getting ready to come to a close pretty soon here. Okay. Number five mystery about angels is that angels fight in spiritual and in natural warfare. Again, number five is the angels fight in spiritual and in natural warfare. Angels are incredibly powerful and they help us fight in spiritual warfare and in natural warfare. In Daniel 10, the angel was fighting a prince demon while Daniel was praying. So as Daniel's praying, the angel is fighting a supernatural spiritual battle. Imagine how powerful angels are. The Bible says one angel destroyed all of Sodom and all of Gomorrah. Think about this. That's like one angel destroying all of San Francisco and all of New York. These are huge metropolitan cities and one angel destroyed both cities. So angels are no joke. Angels are powerful. The Bible says one angel smite or smote it or smited, I guess is the proper term, the firstborn of all of Egypt. So this is thousands of people killed in one night by the angel of death. One angel killed thousands of people. That's how powerful angels are. Isaiah 37, 36, that night the angel of the Lord went out to the Assyrian camp and killed 185,000 Assyrian soldiers. When the surviving woke up the next morning, they found corpses everywhere. That's in Isaiah 37, 36. One angel, are you guys catching my drift on how powerful angels are? One angel killed 185,000 thousand people one angel okay so you don't want to be messing around with this these are the ones that are on your side fighting for you and this is what blows me away these angels are this powerful and we're afraid of one little weak demon we're afraid of one little chaotic pestering demon when you got to know that there are angels all around you fighting for you matthew 26 53 jesus said do you not realize i can ask my father and he will send 12 legions of angels that's over sixty thousand angels a legion being two to six thousand soldiers jesus says, don't you know i could just call and like sixty thousand plus angels will immediately appear so the way that we pray for angels to help deliver us and fight for us is by praying to the father we don't worship we don't pray to them the biblical way so let me give you the biblical way to pray for angels to help you father 
I pray that you would send legions of angels, this is how I pray, to help me over this situation. That's how we pray for angels. You can send them over your family. You can send them over your job. You can send them over people you're praying for. I want you to begin this next week to try to ask the Father to send out angels and begin to release angels over situation because I'm telling you, there is no shortage of angels. There's Heaven is not running out. They're not low. It's not like toilet paper during COVID. They're not, heaven's not low on angels. God has plenty of angels. In fact, Daniel 7, 10 says, and a river of fire was pouring out, flowing from his presence. And this is what Daniel said. Millions of angels were ministering to him or ministered to him. Many millions stood to attend him. Then the court began its session and the books were open. Daniel 7, 10, millions, many millions. That's how many angels Daniel saw. So basically Daniel said, listen, I saw so many angels. I can't even put a number on it. Let's just say it was millions upon millions of angels. There are plenty of angels. Now, if one angel can kill 185,000 soldiers, imagine what a million angels can do. So stop tripping, stop stressing, stop fretting, stop trying to run from darkness and the devil. Understand angels, there's many angels, okay? Angels will oftentimes carry out the judgment of God or God's judgment on people. They brought a plague in 2 Samuel 24. They smited the leaders of Assyria in 2 Chronicles 32, 21. They struck Herod dead in Acts 12, 23. They poured out bowls of wrath on the earth in Revelation 16. See how many verses? There's many, many verses where the angels carry out the judgment of God. Now the Bible says that when Christ comes back, the angels will accompany him. This is Matthew 16, 27 for the son of man is coming, is going to come into his father's glory with his angels. And then he will reward each person according to the work they have done. So understand the angels will accompany and will escort Jesus in his return. Also angels patrol the earth, Zechariah 1, 10. So angels do go about patrolling the earth, watching over God's people again. That's in Zechariah 1, 10. Okay, we're about to be done here. Number five was angels fight spiritual and natural warfare. Now, I didn't go into deep depth on angels in deliverance because as you know, I've already done 30 plus hours in the last couple months on deliverance. And so you can go watch those. And I talk about how do you activate angels in deliverance? Number six. And the last one, write this down. Number six, here we go. Drum roll. I like this one. I said, I saved the nicest one for last angels minister to believers. This is where you come into play. Angels fight for you. They're eternal. They're creatures. They're this, everything I've taught you for an hour and 35 minutes, angels minister to believers. I'm going to write all these in the chat. Don't worry. I'm going to write all six in the chat. Angels minister to believers. This goes all the way back to where we started. Hebrews one says that they are ministering spirits. Who are they ministering to? Who are they serving? They're serving us, the heirs of salvation. Minister means to attend to the need of somebody. So if I'm ministering to you, I'm asking you, what's your need? And then I'm going to help fulfill the need. So if I'm praying for you at the altar, I say, what do you need prayer for? That's me ministering to you. So angels minister to us based on the need. Now, this is hard to go into because there's a million different needs right now in the chat and we all have different needs, but I need you to know it is biblical for angels to meet the needs of God's people. This is what they're there for. Matthew, now I'm, you're going to say, well, is it biblical for an angel to minister to me? Well, let's see. Jesus had angels minister to him. So was it good enough for Jesus? Matthew 4, 11, after Jesus was tempted by the devil, the devil left and the angels came to minister to him. Oh man, Jesus 
received the ministry of angels. Jesus received ministry from the angels. He was, he was fasting. He was tired. He had just overcome the enemy. He had gone through his temptation. He's at the end of a 40-day fast. And now all of a sudden he's weary. His body's weary. He's hungry. He's probably thirsty. And the Bible says the angels came to minister to Jesus. Okay. First Kings 19.5, the angel of the Lord came and brought Elijah food and water. You guys remember it was the highest and the lowest time of Elijah's life. I taught this in the Jezebel teaching I did where Elijah's waiting to die. And the Bible says angels came and ministered ministered to him. Guys, angels can come during times of discouragement, during times of trouble, during times of distress. The angels will come and they will minister to you. Another angel came to Paul when they're in a massive storm and the angel came and said, Paul, you're going to be fine. Remember when all the men were stressed, they were throwing stuff overboard. And Paul said, men, 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 don't stress. We're going to lose the ship, but no lives will be lost. And everyone's going, well, Paul, how do you know this? And Paul said, last night, an angel came to me and told me. So understand that when you are in storms, angels can come and they could reassure you of your future. They could reassure you in times of trouble. Whatever your need is, the angels are here to come and to minister to you. The job of angels, and we're going to close with this, the job of angels is to minister to believers. Okay. With that being said, guys, I want to begin to pray. We're an hour that was close to an hour and 40 minutes, guys. I, I think that was exhaustive. I don't think I can do another teach you on angels. I'm pretty sure I just referenced every major angel, every major encounter in the Bible. But I believe now God wants to activate his angel army. I believe now God wants to release angelic beings. I believe now God wants to train us up to release these ministering angels. And I believe the same way we're preaching on deliverance and people are saying, now I'm actually getting delivered. Now I'm casting out demons. I believe as we preach about this, I believe now God is releasing angels. Now that you know, you're going to begin to pray. You're going to begin to cry out to God. You're going to begin to say, God, send your angels, send your ministering spirits. I need angels to accompany me. And once again, guys, you can rewatch the video. I didn't make any statements tonight that I did not give verses for. I gave probably close to 50 verses. Now, some of you are asking in the chat, why didn't you talk about the Nephilim? Why do not you talk about the sons of God and the angels of the coming? Because that wasn't relevant to what we're teaching. I'm not going to get into the Nephilim maybe another day, but I'm not going to, yes, angels can come in human form. I just covered that about 30 minutes ago. Angels can come in human form. Absolutely. And oftentimes they did come in human form in the Bible, but here we are. We're going to pray prayers of activation. And then we're going to read all the donations and we're going to hang out for a bit. Okay. Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for your ministering angels. We thank you, Lord, that we know that angels are created and that we don't worship angels. And God, we ask you, we pray to the Father that, Lord, you would send your ministering angels right now. We ask over everyone, there's 820 of you, I pray over every single one of you that God would send his ministering angels over your family. I pray that God would send his ministering angels over your children. I pray that God would send his ministering angels over your job, over your marriage. Father, we ask you right now, send your ministering angels now, whether it's ministry in your finances, whether they minister to your body, whether they do what they do to Elijah and they bring you resources, and they bring you food and they bring you water. I pray, Lord, that you would release in ministering angels right now. We pray angel activation. Father, we pray right now, let angels camp around us. Let your guardian angels right now be released in Jesus' name. Father, we are asking, come on, wherever you're at, just
us begin to pray. Say, Father, we pray you would release your angels, God. Your word says in Hebrews 1 that these are ministering spirits. So God, I pray for those that are discouraged like Elijah was. I pray for those that are depressed like Elijah was. I pray angels of joy. I pray angels of peace. These are God's ministering spirits. God, let your angels go about and make war in the spirit. Let your angels go about and make war in the heavenlies. Let your angels go about and wrestle these principalities and powers. Father, we are asking for angel armies to be released. We're asking for your secret agents, your unseen agents to be released now for the strategies of God to be released over you now. And Father, we say angel activation, angel activation in Jesus name. Lord, send your angels to bind up any demonic fallen angels. Send your angels to bind up any demonic spirits, any demonic powers, Lord. We ask right now that you would release your angels now. And I just say right now for this word tonight, I break every assignment of the enemy to try to steal the word. I break every assignment of the enemy to try to bring distraction and confusion, to try to manipulate and twist the scripture. I was very clear about everything I spoke about tonight and I come against every distracting spirit. I come against every manipulating spirit right now in Jesus' name. We just pray right now in Jesus name God thank you for your angel activation thank you for your angels God we're not going to be ignorant God we're not going to ignore them if Jesus didn't ignore them we're not going to ignore them father we thank you for your ministering angels we thank you for the angels that have protected us we thank you that you give your angels guard over us that you give your angels charge over us in all of our ways and so right now God we just receive angel activation we receive the angel army into our marriages and our families I'm telling you guys as you begin to pray with this revelation your life will never be the same we just thank you in Jesus' name. Woo! Praise the Lord, guys.